Beta Talk is the voice of the most important frontline health workers around the globe, plumbers. They, along with installers and engineers, are also at the forefront of global warming issues. Beta Talk aims to give them a voice, assisting the industry and enabling them to discuss energy plumbing and heating topics. Beta Talk with your host Nathan Gambling is sponsored by IMI Hydronic Engineering, giving you a voice in a global industry. Welcome to another Better Talk podcast. In this episode, I speak with Joe, Al and Kevin. Joe followed me on Twitter and she runs something called The Heating Hub. You can find that at theheatinghub.co.uk. And I must admit, I was very sceptical at first. I thought it was something like Boxed. I'm not a fan of Boxed. That's just my opinion. But The Heating Hub is something completely different. And you'll hear Joe explain that a little bit long or a little bit later in the interview. Uh, also joined with Joe was Kevin and Al, and all three of them uh, came on the IMI training that we held down at the Guildford Gas Centre, and they were all amazed about what they learned and also amazed about what they didn't already know. It's a great episode, this. Hope you enjoy it. So how did you get into this industry, Al? Me? Um, to be honest... It was actually a time in my life where I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I didn't really have a lot of guidance growing up. And um, I was sort of trying to find my way in life and find out what I was good at and what I wasn't good at, basically. And um, it was probably my granddad more than anybody that actually sat down and had a chat with me about what to do and based on his own life experience. Because my, my granddad actually had plans to be an engineer. He, he came from the West Indies as a young man. And uh, he was actually sent here to study and become a sort of like a mm. mechanical engineer. Yeah. But unfortunately, he met his missus quite young in life and that took him in a different direction. Mm. So it never happened. And I think in some ways he wanted probably some of his, you know, progeny, whether it be children or grandchildren, to perhaps take up the mantle that he, he never actually fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think he saw that in me and he sort of guided me sort of towards this industry. Um, but I always knew that I was quite good with my hands, but I just didn't know what I could put my hands to. So I was about 20, really. And then I actually thought, you know what? If I carry on doing what I'm doing, which was not a lot, I was just working in a shop, to be honest, just, do, just in retail. I'd done college, I'd done a BTEC in computing, but I never found my way into that because I used to get bored sitting behind a desk. So mm. I knew that an office job wasn't for me. Even though I was always clued up academically, it just wasn't the route. I, I felt that hands-on would be would be better for me. So um, I've got a loud voice anyway, so I'll get through. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, long story short, that was my way in. Did you of, go to an evening class? How did, did you do any training or did you just I, go straight with someone and learn from someone? Well, I did manage to get some hands-on, but yeah. basically what I did first of all was the um, the full-time level two technical certificate plumbing, whatever it was called at the time. Yeah, plumbing level mm, two yeah, technical yeah, yeah. sitting guild mm. 6129. 6129. Yeah. Good memory, that. Did yeah. that for a year. <laughs> Most people were on that and didn't even know the number. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, remember, I do remember it because when I had to do the top-up to get the MVQ, it was six one. Eight nine, I think, to get the full MVQ. Yeah. So I basically did that. Got some work experience with a family friend who happens to be a heating engineer, mm. and that's how I found my way in basically. And mm. um, ten years next year, um, since I've been doing this, and uh, never looked back really. And you see, you see, because obviously I was watching some of you in in in, in the training, the IMI training going mm. on, and you looked like you were really sort of like into it and mm. and loved sort of still learning. Oh yeah, definitely. I I mean, I've as I say, it's nine years this year, ten years next year. And I still feel like I've barely scratched the surface. And I, I come to sessions like this today and I feel like I absolutely know nothing. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing my apprenticeship all over again. But that's the great thing is this industry, 
it always keeps you on your toes it always has something more to teach you there's always something more to learn and you can never get bored being mm. What did you, you know, think? This, what did you think trade. of the training? The Ironman training. It was great. If, if they a could lot do to take in at once, yeah. But it was you could tell it was, you know. If if there if, you're, if there's something you could say was good about it, and then if there's something you could say they could do something better, what would that be? Um, <laughs> just to put you on the spot. Yeah. What was the main <laughs> thing you took away from it today? Do you think what was what was something that thought, God, oh, crikey, yeah, that really makes sort of sense now. Mm. Was there something like that? Um, we tend to overdo a lot of the work we put in people's homes as, as was mentioned earlier we oversize too much we we basically go overboard more than we should thinking mm. that we're doing everything right which you know it's probably well intentioned what we do but it's based on quite sort of old information that has since been you know updated and mm. we need to sort of get more up to date now i think as engineers and, and come more to, to terms with the way things should be done now because there is a science involved in our industry, isn't it? And I yeah. think that's... Gets the, overlooked. I think that's been... and I, Well, I'm, I'm going to blame industry. You know, we've, we've got a massive boiler industry. When I when I first started, we were working with Delta 11 systems and Delta 11 boilers. Now we have Delta 20 boilers mm. and we're putting them onto Delta 11 systems. Mm. And no, in between, some, someone's forgot to say, well, hello, you know, there's a system change needed as well. And obviously the boiler industry probably could have done a little bit more with that couldn't well, they? I think with a lot of professions um I know it's a trade not a profession but it still has the same amount of technical input and learning and you have CPD don't you, you have yes. continued professional development you're required yeah. to do 20 15 hours a year and log it with your professional body which would be gas safe so mm. I think there is room for that because knowledge is outdated so quickly um and in any other profession you'd be required to try and keep up with those changes mm. once you leave university or leave college. That's right, yeah. Mm. Coming to you, Joshua, how did you get into industry, Joe? I fell into industry. Uh, my ex-husband was a heating engineer, still a heating engineer, a, a really good one, and we set up a business about 10 years ago. Um, for me, it wasn't really about the product, it was about running a business. It was something I already was had a kind of appetite to do. Um, so yeah, we, we got into gas boilers because he was gas. We got into wood-burning stoves. We both had an appetite for learning, so we mm. sort of, moved into lots of different areas we did biomass mm. um, boilers did some heat pumps mm. um yeah so that business um i sold a year ago um but i kept my website from it which is why i'm still kind of knocking around the mm. industry really and well in some ways venturing out for the first time because i just lived in my little rochester showroom running a small heating business and i didn't have a lot of interaction with the industry it's sort of now that so you, so you run something called else. the heating hub don't you just yeah. explain what that is it, well, it's, I guess it's a consumer website because um, over the years on my old company website, I just used to write about boilers, heating, prices, things that consumers I felt were interested in, they were curious about, mm. wanted information about, wasn't really available in the market. Not a lot of impartiality, um, I guess, in the information in the market. Um, and over time, that attracted visitors in hundreds and then thousands. And then at some point, um, I had a business partner come into the, to my business and say, well, that looks like fun what are you going to do with it so we converted it to a standalone business so mm. when I sold my business I just kept the website and um, turned it into this consumer so I've added content and keep adding content um, I'm really trying to provide a kind of logical step through of what it is to buy a boiler or own a boiler or renew it or change boiler type you know all those sort of things that you consider for a very short space of time um, as a homeowner or mm. um and and talk people through it in a, in a reasonably detailed 
way uh, and in an accurate way so you're sort of um, trying to educate the can consumer yeah. a little bit about, about orange juice i think so to the, to the extent they want to know about it for that short space of time and I, for anyone if you're buying a car if you're buying a fridge buying a washing machine mm. actually you don't know lots of things about that mm. it's complete and if you think about i mean it's easy for us because we're our heads are in boilers but mm. if you step outside as a consumer it's quite difficult to mm. get to the truth of that market isn't it and mm. i think that's what i wanted to do with my website to bring mm. all the products together compare them on the same page um, look at the prices, look at the quality, um, just do a lot of the legwork that you would do as a consumer um, when you're buying something as expensive as mm. a boiler. True. Mm. What is, um, so you were on the IML training today. Yeah. If, if I was to ask you the same question I asked Al, you know, if there was something that really you've come away from today that you found sort of inspirational or you found sort of real good value from, what would that be? Definitely the oversizing with just, it's real eye opener. Mm. Um, and, the sort of old practices that prevail, I guess, mm. um, that, that have an environmental impact. So, you know, oversized piping, we're moving more materials than we need to in every aspect mm. of the installation. Mm. Um, I suppose the thing that I would like to know more about, just because I'm quite curious, is how all of the, the sort of modulating TRVs bits come together with the controls. I think that's just probably a gap in my own knowledge. But just, you know, we know about modulating controls and open therm and... Um, so how that sort of syncs together and I think what would be really useful would be like a sort of perfect system do you know what I mean you could sort of say something to model just to, something. yeah just something yeah. to model on yeah. that you could just give to the consumer or give to installers and say if you tick all these boxes you're pretty much there you know you mm. might not get everything 100% but if you say this control and these are TRVs you'd, and you'd probably have to do that for specific situations because obviously every yeah. house is bespoke is it in some ways yeah. isn't it and yeah. uh yeah, we're talking about size we're talking about building fabric um but you could still get a variety of models that would fit a, a good cohort of, of I housing think so. stock, couldn't yeah, you? The sort of, yeah, model, mm. model setups for most scenarios. Mm. Um, because I think quite often when you're learning all this information, it's hard to piece it together with other information that you've learned from somewhere mm. else. And mm. it's just how does it all fit together? Mm. Um, you kind of need that shortcut. So I'm also joined here by uh, Kevin. Kevin, uh, how did you get into industry? My uh, father is a... Uh, had his own business for um, 40 years, retired um, uh, last year. Um, and I always swore I was never going to do the same work as him because he worked <laughs> so long and <laughs> he's never at home. And, and here I am <laughs> turning into my dad. Um. So did you, did you, you, you went straight into it? As, no, actually, I, I, when I left uh, school, I was, um, I was going to, wanted to be an accountant, um, ended up training as a chef. Um, and then a few years down the line, um, in my early 20s, I was um, uh, plenty of work on. I, I knew I didn't want to be a chef for the rest of my life and think about settling down. So I thought I'd do... Now, I'll, now I like food. What is, what is your best dish you cook, just yeah. to go off topic? <laughs> <laughs> roast dinners. I still I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't do very little cooking now, but a, a roast dinner I just I just love. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was sold as uh, evenings and weekends off, uh, which I didn't have as a chef. Uh, plumbing and, and now I work seven days a week um, 18 hours a day mm. <laughs> um, or longer sometimes that, but, I mean that's um, an interesting yeah. thing you've, you've mentioned it because there are plumbers out there who've got their nice mercs in the driveway and yeah, they only yeah. seem to be working about three days a week mm. and then there are people I know that are literally working every hour under the sun to put food on the table for their family and yeah. and the quality I suppose with, with both of them I've sort of two types I've mentioned is exactly the same they're very very, very good yeah. I mean why do you think you work seven days um unfortunately i've never been motivated by money 
Um, I wish I was. I wish I had less of a conscience, but um, mm. I, I, I enjoy, I, I love the job I do. I love, um, I love the technology. I love problem solving. I love putting it all together. Um, and more, I, I've got a large, my dad's been self-employed for 40 years, so I've got a, a large customer base that's, yeah. um, there were two of us, and now it's just gone down to one. So, And they rely on you then, don't they? They rely on me, and most, well, most of them. It's all recommendation. I don't have to advertise anywhere. So they know me, they, they want me, and they wait for me mm. <laughs> sometimes. Mm. And so um, I wish I could... Is this your area, by the way? We're in no, Guildford. Is I'm, this your area? I'm uh, based sort of uh, Bournemouth, um, Dorset, really. Um, oh, what, near where, so near where Mark from my comes yes, from, actually? Yeah. Um, but occasionally I travel up to London. Customers I know have got places elsewhere that are worthwhile for them and me to go then... But I try and keep it um, mm. with a day's travel. But, um, Sim- similar question to you. So you've been on the IMR. Tra- I understand you've been on IMR training before, haven't you? Yeah, I did it um, more over a year ago, I think. Must be, yeah. It must be nearly two years ago. Um, Was that in Dunstable? Or? Yeah. Mm. Um, and the for me, the so often we get uh, the separation from a, a boiler and the heating system you see in installers not uh, putting them, thinking about them together. You can have the best boiler in the world, but if your system isn't, um, isn't mm. right, it's mm. not, not going to do anything. So um, they're talking to Mark. I, I knew him f- uh, when he was um, uh, Glowworm, but... Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, so, so that interaction and, and, and understanding... Um, how they work together. I mean, I know how they work together. I do a lot of the calculating anyway, but um, it's refreshing it. It's keep, keeping it. Um... So you've seen, because so your dad was in the industry, um, and does, yeah. does he still sort of chat to you about what goes on in the industry now? Is he completely retired? Does he? He is. Um, yeah, I talk to him. I talk to him all the time about what I'm doing, and, and, um, and he very much has come from the rule of thumb. Mm. Um, does he have a perspective on where? Because well, one of the things I always say is the heat. The heating industry is actually quite a new industry. So plumbing, as we obviously know, in sanitation, is quite an ancient sort of thing. Central heating is sort of fifties onwards, um, and then obviously when we get into the seventies, a lot, a lot more people had it. So it's actually quite a new industry, and it's, it's, it's changed. It's changed with its fuel types. We obviously went from solid fuel oil. They were very quick. Oil was very quick um, as a as a dominant fuel, and then gas. And obviously, we became the sort of bear moth of industry that we are. Um, does he ever sort of chat about where he might have seen the industry go wrong, or did, has he got sort of opinions on where it could have could have gone sort of in a better direction? Um, no, do you know? I don't think we've ever. I don't think I've ever asked him. Um, <laughs> we talk about how stressed we are, how we're going to fit this in, <laughs> and how we're going to fit that in, but um, um, some terrible work we see. But um, as an overview. I shall. I shall have to ask him. But I, I, he's got plenty of opinions. So I'm sure he'll have an opinion <laughs> on it. <laughs> what is uh, so? Are you? Would you consider yourselves plumbers and heating engineers, or would you consider yourself heating engineers? What? Uh, what do you sort of mainly do or get involved in? These days, more heating installation. Mm. Still being quite young, and that seems to be where people want me as well. Mm. Um, that's normally the work that gets done my way. Have you got a customer base where you'll do service work as well and and, and reactive maintenance and I've got a bit down. of service work, yeah. Yeah. I don't do loads of servicing. Um as I say, it always seems to be the installation work that's done my work. Mm. I don't know. I've got a bit of a reputation for installing things 
a certain way that people seem to quite like. I'm not trying to big myself up. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. ever blow my own trumpet, but people like my work from mm. you know the area that I'm in. Are you based in this area or have you had to travel? No, no. I'm, I'm actually, well, I'm from London originally. Yep. So from northwest London. That's where I was born and bred, but I live in Peterborough now. Oh, right. Well, okay. So, I'm, so you're I'm quite a way away. Fen country. It's not too far. Yeah, from. I mean, right. I grew up in East Anglia. Yeah. I grew Did up you really? In, yeah, so I grew up near, kind of near Norwich. And wow. I now live in sort of Ipswich. Norfolk. Yeah, yeah, so I know Peterborough. Always go there for my passport. Yeah, no, that's it, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, uh, so you actually like your installation work. I mean, I'm going to ask, have you got sort of certain components, boilers, manufacturers that you like to work with? I normally, if I'm allowed to say, I normally stick yep. to sort of valent groups, so valent and glowworm, mm. and occasionally the odd backsy, maybe every now and then. Do you go down to their, acad- uh, their academies, uh, the valent academies? Yeah, I, I did the... Um, did the Glowworm Because you'd energy. go to the one at Cambridge, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where I went about a month ago. I did mm. the um, energy commissioning and diagnostic courses, um, mm. yeah, last month sometime. So, and that was really good because mm. I fit a lot of energy. So it was good to sort of run through, you know, how they all work and how to set them up properly and all the rest of it. So we got, I mean, Kev, have you got like a favourite, I mean, I'm allowed to ask you, because it is a question that people, have you got a favourite sort of polar manufacturer you work with? Um well, Wiesman, Worcester and Intergas mm-hmm. uh, mm. really where I, um, and I don't have a favourite, it depends on the job, Yes, I like them all, I know I know my way around all three, mm. um, so depending on the job and the customer, yeah, mm. I'll, I'll choose between those. Um, and I presume you're, you're, you're part of their schemes, their credited schemes, are you? Yes, um, yes I am actually, yes, mm. on all, all three of them, yes. Um, because Joe, you you you're on your website, you you um, have a system that you where you've got installers, and they're all accredited with with a particular manufacturer. or They have to be accredited, don't yes. they, with a manufacturer to be on your site. Is that right? Yeah, we just try and look for um, companies that go beyond their gas safe accreditation and and show that they are learning and know mm. the products they're fitting. So mm. a criteria for membership is to be accredited with at least one manufacturer and not least of all because they can quite often offer the extended warranty so for consumers it's a it's a better package so you're i mean so you're in a good because obviously you're quite connected to quite a few companies now aren't yeah you? you already have ascertained that they're a certain tier of knowledge yes you know they're prepared to go to a boiler company and do the accreditation and courses and i mean you're you're in a good position to pinpoint them or signpost them to something like imi training aren't you in hydronics training because uh, I'm sure you'll all agree, it's it's a lot of, you know, I come from because we do teach hydronics at level three, and we teach um, system design. Did you see Rob's training this morning? Did Rob Bears do yes. some heat loss calculation training? So we do do that at level three standard, and unfortunately, you're, you're teaching it to apprentices, and cool, yeah. And why wouldn't it go in one ear and out the other? Because they know they're going back to people they work with that don't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. right. And yeah. so that's been a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, we teach them. And we teach, I mean, t- to be fair to the sort of awarding bodies, it's quite an extensive, they have to do a project, a heat loss project, and it sort of can go on a, on a number of sort of uh, days or weeks sometimes. And it's, like I say, it's, it's quite soul-destroying because you just know they're going out to companies, yeah. some of them who literally just put a ball on the wall, they take one off and put another one on. Yeah. Yeah. Job done. Yeah. Yeah. That is it. And it's, uh, as we are all learning, there's so much more to this industry. Yeah. I don't think it, some people blame engineers for not updating their knowledge. I don't tend to do that because, you, yes, you can be complacent, but I think our industry, big, big industry, with lots and lots of money, lots of resources, should have made better decisions back a couple of decades ago to inspire people to do 
this kind of training. It's an engineering industry. Yes. And we yeah. turned it into an industry. Um, I mean, some, some people talk to me about this term installer, actually. You know, it's the term installer kind of sort of gives you the image. You just go there and install something and walk away. Mm. Yeah. I get told off for calling people engineers who haven't had degrees. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a whole debate around that. What is an engineer? What isn't an engineer? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very technical industry. And I think our, I think our industry could have done a lot, lot better way, way back of driving that forward. What is, uh, so you're a, a sole person band, are you, Kevin? Yeah. Would you ever think about saying, taking an apprentice on? I've thought about it a lot um, over the last few years. And um, finding, finding somebody, I talked to my dad, I talked to my dad a lot about that because he's had apprentices over the years. Um, and having someone that I can trust in someone's house, um, not not just um, to be presentable, to be um, polite and and um, well, that that that's a skill you have to practice. But um, and so you're worried about who you would yes. choose to be your. I, to I be would your also have company. to let go some of my standards. I know I'd have to. I'd have to bring them to my standards, but I'd also have to not be left to let a little bit of that control go to let them figure it. Uh, themselves and mm. th so that's that's an issue that I probably get over but um then I look at the time I've got and putting it into somebody that if they're good they'll probably go off in a few a few years for themselves which is absolutely fine but um you've invested time into them and then mm. it's, it's that, yes. that I mean that is a that's that's um that it's always part of the equation. I mean, so if there was a system in place where you were supported in taking, let's say, financially for a start, yeah. so where you could, where could, they could actually just watch you for a lot of the time to pick up your standards rather than you have to okay. rely on them and, and worry about it. Yeah. I mean, if there was a better system in place, because there isn't one at the moment, mm. if, if you ask mm. me, yeah. um, would you be more inclined to take one on? Absolutely. Um, mm. My experience with the colleges is uh, both with my own training and... We have um, trialled a couple of different things. Is it's chaotic. They haven't got the um, they haven't got the a lot of the colleges haven't got the staff to actually train properly anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I was doing my training, they kept bringing people in that retired and um, weren't really that mm, interested that's in doing a big the problem, work. Big problem. Um, so I'm probably, I don't know, affiliated with maybe six, seven agencies and I'm probably getting three emails off each of them a day at the moment because obviously we've right. just signed up a, the whole new cohort across the UK of, of, of plumbing students yeah. and loads of colleges across the country are short of lecturers. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, I could go into a whole debate about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, and, and essentially we're letting students down. Yeah. Because they're going to colleges that are under-resourced, under-staffed, and uh, right from the word go, we're letting them down. Yeah. Alan, would it be something you consider taking on an apprentice? Are you at that stage yet, do you think? Not personally yet, no. I, I still feel like I've got more learning to do. I want to spend a few more years out there just getting myself a bit more, you know, mm. up to speed. I mean, not that I'm not, that I'm not already sort mm. of up to speed enough to take someone on, because I, I probably could, but 
I still I still feel like I've got more work to do and more to learn, mm. which is why I do a little bit of work with a commercial um, heating engineer as well, and he's sort of helped to take me to the sort of the next level of. And you do like that literally just sort of learn about the bit, yeah. a bit more. Yeah, that's that's what I'm interested in doing right now. Just keep learning, just learn as much as I can, and then when I feel perhaps able enough, then. At least then when that apprentice comes on board, he's going to have more he can take from me. Whereas at this stage, I just feel I could just do with a bit more time to, you know, get more mm. knowledge and, and experience. Do you guys use social media at all? I mean, because I know Joe does, I mean, and, and I do, and lots of people are learning off it. There, there are Definitely. some negatives. I mean, people will worry yeah. about certain platforms are... There's arguments, bitchiness, and stuff like that, or egotism, whatever. Mm. But underneath, there's a great sort of level. There's a lot of learning going on. People are picking mm. up tips, hints off of each other, stuff they never knew. They're forming sort of cohesive sort of groups where they can exchange information. Are either of you on social media then? I'm not. No, I'm not. Last time I did the course, they talked about Twitter, and I did sign up to an account. And for a few weeks, exactly what you said, I, I didn't, didn't actually use it but i looked at a lot of different um just pictures of other people's work and um i found that brilliant because mm. uh, um saying earlier it's it can be really quite isolating mm. which is why it's important to come on these courses but but um so that that can um yeah i definitely found that useful but mm. then um it's time again i don't really understand um mm. uh twitter and um mm. It's a shame because I think you you both show a lot of respect for your industry, and yeah, I think that's where doubt. there's yeah. it falls down where people don't show respect for how much they don't know mm. and how many skills they don't have. But I think if you're always willing to learn, yeah. um, and I've certainly found Twitter this time around, this is the second time I've done Twitter because um, I did it through my own business, but it's it's I'm much more in the community. It's just surprising how many people are showing that respect, are looking to each other to learn. And I think if you participate in that, it's quite natural. And I think if you treat it like a WhatsApp group, you mm. kind of just, you, people yeah, you don't yeah. know, then yeah. you kind of get it yeah. that it's just chit-chat, isn't well, it? Well, so, something I've talked to, because I suppose, I suppose, like I say, going back to like, when, when I when I got on Twitter and I had this word lecture, it's, I don't even consider myself an engineer, because you know, I grew up with my dad and my granddad, and I really don't. My, my skill is in like knowing how people learn. That's, that's kind of what I've studied. Yeah. And I've, I was talking to IMI today uh, about... So, for instance, if IMI set up, so they've done some training today and they know the particular people that have come on that train, if they were to set up a little group, that you know, if, so you two were in that yeah. little group, mm. and then they could you, they could keep pushing you some information, you could keep chatting yeah. about it, you mm. know, you can keep talking about what you've learned today and then developing your knowledge, mm. would that be something that interested you? Yeah, Rather definitely. than going on to this big sort of wide world mm. of yes. Twitter mm. and yes. engaging with people you don't know, you've mm. already got kind of a little mentor Close buddy system. Group. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know each other now. You could chat about, oh yeah, did you really understand that? And then you, you exchange information, and because yeah. what we what we know within the field of education, and, and trust me, education is a very very studied industry in its own right, because it's a trillion dollar industry worldwide. You know, it, most okay. countries in the world educate. Yeah, it's a very very studied science, and there's a lot of stuff that they know how people learn. A lot of learning is attached to memory, so a lot of it's about how do you get it from working memory into long term memory, and then get it out of long term <laughs> memory. Retrieval is a big thing. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and there's there's a lot of science about how we do that and one of the things i talk to industry about is they're all passionate about training you know i'd see a lot of training going on and the person sort of directing it or instructing it very very knowledgeable but there's no what i call visible learning going on so if i went to that instruction i said so what did joe learn today what did kevin learn exactly today what did al learn but didn't particularly know and they won't be able to answer me now within the field of education if you get that and you know every, where every individual is with their learning, 
then you know how to develop their learning. And you need to know, and that's what, where we're going wrong. And that's, <clears throat> I mean, we've got people like, so within the heat pump industry, we're going to have to get that right. You know, if we get, if we, if that goes wrong, because everyone wants heat pumps, that's going to be a big, 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 you know, there's going to be a lot of trouble. Um, so I am sort of talking to them about that, how we can get that training. 21st century, basically, because we're kind of still training like the Victorian way. You know, you have someone chatting to you, they might have, instead of a chalkboard now, they've got slides, they might have 3D images, they might have holographic images. But basically, you're getting instruction, you have learned something, you're off you go, but they don't know what you've learned. And that's not 20th century, 21st century learning. Is that, is that the same as primary school education? Or are they, are they doing that and it's not transferring... Well, or is it a bit? I mean, ironically, we've got some. We've got some. This country's got some of the best educational psychologists in the, on the, in the world. Yeah. What the the knowledge we have doesn't always translate to what goes on in primary, secondary, and further education and higher education. Even though we know this knowledge, because unfortunately, education is a business model. So usually, as you'll find with colleges, it was always equates to numbers. Yeah. So some of the knowledge we know about learning does go out the window not not in some private schools obviously get it right however within industry and i've always said to manufacturers you could really get this right you know don't rely on you know you could really get this right instead of marketing yourself on product and benefits and features if you were to market yourself with purpose and really got behind top-notch training you'd make a killing because people would think you know wow they're really doing some really really good training and you will become loyal with them not because they've got great merchandise, but because they're giving you some good purposeful, mm. uh, you know, instruction. And it's, I think that's where it should go. I think it w is where it is going. Yeah. And I'm trying to sort of, uh, <coughs> sort of <laughs> encourage that because we need to do it quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I am very interested. That's why I might work for me and we're sort of thinking of ways we can sort of make training better. Joe, what is, uh, y you've got this website and I'm quite intrigued by your website. When I come across it, I must admit, I'll hold my hands up. I thought it was just another site like Box. It was yeah, just selling yeah. boilers to consumers. I don't agree with that. I don't. You know, it's a, it's a great business model, if you think about it. You know, yeah. the people who set that up, great business mm. model. Uh, people are now buying online. doesn't matter what you're buying. Mm. You're buying online. And that's where, I suppose, that model came from. Yeah. But it's taken the science out of our industry mm. it's uh I, you know there's i can't see anything wrong right with it at, you know at all no. and I, your model is completely different isn't it your it, it, i mean it is i mean it still gives the, the thing about the box model um i i think it's self-serving i think that's what i disagree with about it is that it doesn't value it doesn't put any value on value you know it's just all about price and how cheap can we do it and how can we de-skill the industry to meet our low prices even though we've set them ourselves you know we set them how can we de-skill the industry to meet yeah. those prices um so i think that's what i disagree about it um but what they do do quite well is there's a consumer convenience which is you can go online a very slick nice boiler you know step through process you book it they're there it's done and I think where we're all quite time poor there are certain attractions about that so there's things I like about it and things I don't uh, for my business model I want to bring more than just a slick process yes we're trying to fill the gaps in the customer journey for small businesses so we've got the information that is hard for small businesses to put out good seo and you know do their own seo so we'll do that for them through our content and then we have the little calculator because everybody's so curious about price but it's based on realistic day rates so i don't we don't 
it's not a race to the bottom. We try and support local business day rates. Um, and then the final bit is, is that you can find a local business and there's a small diary process at the end. So you can book or you can contact them directly or you can go and look at their reviews. We're trying to cater for how consumers want to research the people that they want to get out. And there's always that element to it. So they can either book through our site or, or go off and, and find a local business. So the, the things I'm trying to support are the things that Box get right, which is the convenience side of it, but fill in those gaps for small businesses where they don't get it right. They can't get found online. They can't get their websites ranking. The websites are not very good even when they do. They can't do social media. They get fleeced on pay-per-click because they can't set up the account properly. You know, there's... Um, um there's so many things they get wrong which i'm kind of trying to put right so i think i'm trying to still say that small businesses should not be evolved out of the industry you know they still have a really valid place here and people do want to usually use a small business um if they can find a good one you know um, and it's not always you don't always have a referral referrals are always the best obviously um if you don't have a referral how do you find a reputable local business that is is upholding the values that you like about local businesses that is going to be there when you ring them and your boy to stop working they'll, they'll come back and they give you a great customer service so it's it's trying to find a platform for them in, in a sort of new world order of, mm, mm, of boiler mm. bo- boiler buying really i mean you've yeah. you've probably researched it i mean I, I've, I've mentioned boxed are there other ones out there that are doing similar there's stuff? heatable which kind of they've changed their platform now so they now have a box model i think there's loads of copycat box models essentially um so i think i feel like we sit somewhere between not even really close to that, but a sort of nationalised business, but for local businesses. So we have local business listings, a bit like Checker Trade or Witch, but um, we're niche. And we try and cover off all three points of the triangle. So we try and help the consumer. We try and help the local business. We also try and help the manufacturers because there are great manufacturers um, that perhaps don't have a, as a bigger market share as they probably should based on the quality of the product mm. um, because mm. they get eclipsed by more established companies with great big marketing budgets you know so it's about pl- providing mm. a level platform for I mean, them that's interesting as well. because the, the number one baller in the uk has 50 percent of sales in the uk it's huge UK, so like even number two you know it's it's it's, uh, it's quite a strange dynamic market we've got yeah. um is. which is good in a way because like you say it can bring on you know these smaller ones are, are trying really really hard maybe to get things right or different or whatever yeah i mean i always think the big one can get through, if only they were to do things a little bit different and support the engineer a little bit more. I mean, they'd, they'd uh, you know, they'd, they'd yeah, probably... to say who the big one yeah. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bosch is the biggest in it this is, country, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and they've got, I suppose, 50% of boilers wow. sold are Bosch. I mean, we've got a very diverse market. I mean, like, so 50% of boilers sold in Europe are hung on kitchen walls in England or in the UK, yeah. so we've yeah, got a massive. Is... Up until 2016, we had the biggest Crabs. boiler market in the world. And I think what that does is you get to a point where that market has to sustain itself. You know, it's for like any business, you get very, very big. You've then got to try and sustain that level. You've got lots mm. of resources, uh, you know, you're, you're, um, lots of departments that you're paying for, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I do think, you know, obviously I've seen and grew up watching this industry change and, and at marketing level because, you know, I had family members involved in sort of, you know, boiler companies um i think there's a lot of people involved in marketing that kind of just don't understand the nuances of what engineers want mm. 
and maybe consumers, I don't know. But yeah. Definitely. I think they maybe have to start thinking, you know, we live in a world where we have to adapt quickly anyway. We all, mm. all realise that now. And I think they are going to have to adapt very, very quickly and get things right. It's, mm. uh, you know. It's definitely a bridge to gap there. I'd agree with that, mm. 100%. Because mm. it, what, what is very, what I'm finding really inspirational is there is obviously lots of engineers like yourselves out there who are really, really passionate about this engine and, and getting it right, you know. It's... Uh, it's very refreshing to see that. Yeah. I think a lot of people do feel that your average heating engineer or plumber is just out there to make money mm. and yeah. do a shit job, come home with a load of money. <laughs> I'm always up against that all the time. You yeah. give people a price and they think, oh, why does it cost that much? And yet look but how conscientious you are. You yes. know, you, you yeah. have, you've yeah. got in your head so much mm. knowledge. Mm. And I've never, you know, my best mate is a plus. He's fantastic. But he has a few tools in his van. And he hasn't really got to know a lot. You know, he's, it's all muscle memory. He's got an immense yeah. skill. That is a yeah, skill. Yeah. It is, yeah. But yeah. the knowledge he has to have is nowhere near what you guys have to have, is it? Absolutely no. nowhere near. And you're not valued on that. You're not, not in this country. Not you would all. be you would be in other countries in Europe. Yeah. But in this country, you're not valued on that. Not Why do you think that is, though? Uh, it's a, I think it's a, the crucial point is how much you're valued is and how much willing... A, people appreciate your skills and therefore how much they understand what they pay well, you. One, one of the reasons was is because we, we have a very uh, we have a, a very sort of established media system and, and we, we had uh, the programs sort of 20 years ago that came out Rogue Traders things like this this and this yeah. and plumbing someone's actually worked out that them types of programs something like 80% featured plumbing plumbing yeah. Because um, there's a lot to go wrong. Yeah. Now that thin slice, or who, whether it's a cowboy element, or whether it's mm. what I would call sort of uh, unconscious incompetence, they don't actually know they're rubbish. Mm. But yeah. They're not out and out cowboys. They just don't know yeah. that they are rubbish. Mm. And it's, it's there is a massive skills gap between good and, and, and bad. And I would, in my experience, I would say the smaller one man bands tend to tend to be a little bit more invested in their customers mm. house and home appreciate it and when you haven't got that um connect from what you're earning and, and your business and, and what you're actually doing it, you, you can be a plumbing in someone's house but you're on a wage from somebody else or pressure from somebody else to get that finished then that 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 gives you a the motivations for doing the work and, and, and the finished product are very different. So, mm. Mm. I don't know if that came, that was clear in my head. Mm. <laughs> so, you, what you're saying, are you true. saying with like a small business that maybe employs five or six people, they might, they, them, them individuals doing work may feel a bit under pressure not to maybe do, do it as, as, as. Whether, whether it, yeah, from a one man band who uh, they're working in that house because the customer wants them in that house, um, they, they trust them and at the end of the day they've got to um when they walk away um customers going to be happy with them um but a larger company and because it's their money it's the installer's money and reputation yeah. and, and, and business going forward yeah. it's all on it's all on that one job it, yeah. it is um whereas a company a national company or even a, a large larger company that employs people that um, if they're paid their salary anyway, whether they do a good job or not, if they do a quick job, 
they might be praised for being in and out. You know, that's that's a good day's work. They can get on with something else. They can earn more money for the company. But it doesn't necessarily mean that um, mm. a good job has been done for the customer. If you see what I mean. I mean, that's an interesting view. I mean, because Joe, I think some some of the people on your site or affiliated with your site, they, they are these small companies that maybe have six, or do you have, have sole traders as well? Or We have a few, I call them high volumes sole traders if they're fitting a lot of boilers, but they have to maintain a decent price because what we don't want to do is put three companies in the same postcode and one is a sole trader and they can just naturally charge a lot less or do charge so there's there's one or two um but mostly they're small businesses there's at least two qualified engineers up to and there's a few at sort of 18 but i'd say they were the, the biggest um but we're still looking for that kind of quality and conscientiousness um from the business owner to to be on the site um and i think going back to a point you talking about earlier I have this position where we have a lot of companies and actually we talked about what the model wants to be for the market but we also want to talk about what it can be for the members um and I mean I feel very strongly about getting them onto training courses like this mm. and you know mm. we, I have a Facebook group it's got business owners on it you know they've got the influencers or the decision makers and it's about trying to convey to them because they're all whinging about prices you know everything is about leads and prices mm. and um and what i think and i know that you think is that actually you can set yourself apart from people that are just throwing in boilers by bringing in quality products and better Absolutely. advice yeah. and so if you if yeah. you're the one saying about imi radiator valves or um open therm controls and you're sort of these are usps for people that have bothered to go through the training that they can take to their customers and explain why they're better value explain yeah. why i'm better than the other guy that came through the door for 500 pounds less and mm. i think it's just about bringing that quality back in quality offering back mm. into small businesses that they can then maintain their day rates but through knowledge and, and you know, that's in exactly a, in a really where my way. business that's where, where i thrive because that's that's what i enjoy being able to talk to customers and you know within a few minutes of of talking to them ab about whether you've got their interest or whether they're not going to be interested and yeah it tends to um if you do put yourself in that position then it tends to lead to other jobs in that similar sort of mindset yes yeah absolutely. i can yeah. imagine um well, I think if you tell anybody that you'll save 15% on your heating bills by putting in a radiator valve that costs the same as any other radiator valve, mm. most, most of the time you're just going to go, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. I would do that. Yeah. What systems I mean, do you two prefer putting? Obviously, each house is different, and as we know. Um, do you, have you got sort of certain systems you prefer? I mean, I think you mentioned combi boilers earlier, Albert. I think you said that, that you don't particularly like them so much. No, I don't sort of, um, how can I put it? see them as the be all and end all for like the average domestic property like some guys i mean some heating firms out there literally just put in combis they rip out what's yeah. there already systems, yeah. and they um just put in combis and that just mm. seems to be oh yeah i'm heating engineer just based on putting in combis all the time and i think well mm. no there's a lot more to it than combi boilers mm. you know and sometimes the traditional system isn't broke so you don't need to fix it sometimes you just need to upgrade it do you know mm. what i mean mm. you know it works perfectly fine it's what the customer wants they want stored hot water they don't want to mm. you know throw up their airing cupboard mm. and you know turn it into an ensuite or something or <laughs> you know make the bedroom bigger and put a wardrobe in it sometimes they're quite happy with stored hot water mm. they just perhaps want things upgraded a little and i and i enjoy those jobs i i personally prefer to you know 
if someone's got a hot water tank, you know, I prefer to keep it in there. Mm. Mm. You know, definitely. If anything, upgrade it, perhaps put an unvented in there or something. Um, well, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, open vented thermal stores, so I'm a big fan of solar yeah, like thermal. thermal stores, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we've got to start looking at that more. Um, yeah. You know, our industry. I mean, this week actually. I mean, I won't mention too much about it on on the podcast, but this, you know, I am pushing for our industry to really start getting information out to engineers about the, the variety of systems we can use because yeah. you know, an open vented thermal store uh, with a, with some solar thermal tubes, yeah. you can raise your temperature of water free. Mm. and cleanly and yeah. it's not i mean that people it, it's frustrating when because it seems very specific to rnc well they say well what's the payback yeah now i've seen as a young kid loads and loads of uh window salesmen double glazed sound no one says what's the payback of that window but they pay thousands for these windows yeah. and the payback actually is about 111 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah but people still have them installed but crikey, you say, right, well, you know, put your open, uh, put an open vented thermal store in. I mean, there are different types of thermal store, but these are the ones I like. And, and you put your tubes on. You are switching your boiler off for four, five, six months of the year. Yeah. You know, my, my, my friend who I put their system, they haven't had their boiler on yeah. all summer. Yeah. You imagine that scaled up across the country. Yeah. And uh, people go, oh, no, 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 what's, what's the payback? What's the payback? And they just they say, well, what other industry do you, when you go and buy a car, does someone say to you, what's the payback on that car? Yeah. You don't. I mean, it's a sort of a pleasure purchase, I suppose, a car, isn't it? But um, it's it's very frustrating, and uh, we've got to really start thinking logically. A few years ago, before the well, just before the Green Deal, around the Green Deal, when that first came out, um, I redid all my solar, air source, ground source, and biomass, and I uh, a lot of inquiries, a lot of, uh, and I was enthusiastic about I'm enthusiastic about any technology and any. Um, and did a few biomass and ground source, but for for me, I wasn't doing enough mm. to. And then the government seemed to have not incentivized it. It's and it's the market just mm. disappeared. And unless mm. now, unless somebody is um, not interested in payback, but interested in in environment, that's that's the mm. they're the only inquiries I have. Mm. Um, and it's difficult to. I don't even push it anymore mm. because mm. Uh, you know you know certain people might be interested, but mm. it's it's not. Um, and solar thermal, I agree. I think solar thermal, I mean, is essentially it's it's free energy. It's, mm. it, 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 so it's, no, I mean, our country went down the PV route. Yeah. You know, I think you know, our country forgets the sun gives off light, and next uh, visible light on the electromagnetic spectrum is infrared. Mm. Yeah incredible amounts of heat and it, across Europe they're using it so like somewhere like Poland uh, you know astronomical amounts of pe- uh, solar thermal are going in you know they've, right. they realise they've got a problem they've got a lot of coal power stations so they're doing something about it Loads, and they put it in because it works mm-hmm. yeah. where some of the top top people in this sort of the stratas of our heating industry no no that don't work Nathan. you've got to have a it, you know it's a cloudy day or it's cold well it works in cold if you've got a nice blue sky it doesn't matter if you're in the Antarctic you yeah. will boil water Yeah. you know it's uh but it's uh, yeah something we're, we're we're trying to push. I, I I'm known for sort of being a big advocate of it. I mean, have you ever got into renewables? I know you not did, Joe, didn't you? But your company, and have you? Not so much. Really, I don't do a great deal of renewables. Mm. But that's something. Again, those are some of the you know other feathers in the cap that I need to mm. try and get my head around. So, um, so mm. yeah, I definitely would like to do some renewables training. Also, water regs. So we'll, we'll sort of wrap up in a little bit. But what, one of the other problems we've we've sort of seen over the sort of the last couple of decades maybe is. A lot of people come into the industry through the heating route, mm. you know, and they become heating yeah. engineers. 
and we do tend to venerate the gas engineers to be all and end all. Don't get me wrong, some of the best engineers I know are gas engineers, the top ones. I'd, some of the worst I know are gas engineers. <laughs> <laughs> um, because once you, the, 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 the customer is being told, you know, use a gas safe engineer or whatever for gas, the boiler, and they then put you automatically at this top tier. Mm. Now, there are a lot of engineers out there who are quite actually good at heating, and, and some of them are friends, and they'll openly admit, Nathan, I've got no idea about water rigs. Mm. You know, I've got no idea about mm. backflow. Yeah. And, and your categories of water and your different backflow. I mean, is it? Have you ever done your water uh, regulations course, either of you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've done mine. Yeah, and did did you enjoy? Did because it, it, it was a half day one or was it a full day one? Was there God. near enough a day, I think. By the time yeah. you know, you I sort of had remember. a few teas and coffees and yeah. chats, you, you're there near enough a day. So yeah, it, it wasn't uh, an inspiring course. It was a quite a boring one, um, <laughs> if I'm honest. But um, Again, as plumbers, heat engineers, whatever, gas engineers, there is a massive scope of what we cover, and you may, you may, and you just whilst you're there, you just naturally get involved in it in in all aspects really, mm. and you can take that as far as you like. You can, mm. yeah, you can just keep going with with your um, the scope of um, until it gets to the point where you're not doing enough of one thing to be. And then you have to bring it back in again. That's what I, that's how I feel um, mm. about um, the variety because you, you've got to have a, a good electrical knowledge as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. You can't fault find on a heating system mm. without mm. knowing how it's wired. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of guys don't don't do their own wiring. So mm. when it, so how can they maintain their own systems? Um, and electricians will know how to put the wires in, and they but they might not know understand how the actual. Yep. And that's yep. not true of all of them. No, no, no. That's a big. I've had over the years plenty of friends mm. ring me up saying they've just been quoted for a new boiler because their boiler wasn't working. Someone's yeah. come around and said, "Yeah, I need a new boiler." And I've known for a fact it's the zone valves, it's not the micro switch, yeah. not switching on. Yeah. And uh, you know, was, and they like give me a big hug. Oh, you saved me, not too fast. But but yeah. I suppose it's. I, I don't know whose fault that is actually again because once again I don't know I don't know when people go on these gas training courses whether they're taught about systems and zone valves etc and yeah. in fact it's your zone valve that's switching the boiler on yeah. scratch um, the surface but you know I think electrically I think on a lot of the gas courses you might go as far as safe isolation and that's basically as far as it really goes maybe basic component testing but you know and you, you might do a bit of you know fan testing and all the rest of it so it might be a, a mm, little bit of mm. you know work with a bit of you know with a multimeter and then a little bit of mm, basic mm. you know electrical fault finding but it's never covered any great detail i know do, baxi do a good do yeah i was going to say course. i think baxi could do a good course on that don't know yeah. do any of the other boiler companies do good sort of courses on multimeter testing and st testing your stuff I, I think honeywell used to do a course um on on system um i haven't actually done mm. one myself mm. um i've Learned what I've learned through my dad, really. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, I think they're quite different skill sets, aren't they? If you get into mm. breakdowns and diagnostics yes, and then right. installation, so right if, so. if, you, if you're pulling someone out for a new boiler, they're going to tell you you need a new boiler. Mm. <laughs> you know? right. yeah. But it might be, like you say, the zone valve. Um, mm. So that you're sort of, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's hard for consumers also to navigate that as the right person to Very pull hard. out at mm. the time. Mm. Well, it's been a pleasure to have all three of you to come and have a chat with me. Um, Thank you for coming. And uh, uh, one one last thing is, if so, if I and I were to do some more training, 
would you come on it? Like, say, if they could develop what they what they taught you today, would you yeah. be prepared yeah. to do that? Most definitely. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, definitely. I think they said on their last last time I did their course, they're in a, a really good position of not being a boiler manufacturer, mm. so they're not invested in the well, but they're a, somebody who sits between us mm. and and the boiler manufacturers, mm. and, and um, so I think they're perfectly positioned mm. to. Mm, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, they're in a good place in the market, definitely. <clears throat> well, thank you ever so much, and uh, hopefully see you soon one day. Thank you, yeah. thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to an episode of Beta Talk. Season one has been sponsored by IMI Hydronic Engineering. I've been your host, Nathan Gambling. You can find me on Twitter under the name Beta Teach. You can also find Beta Talk on Twitter. And if you need to contact me, you can use my email, learn at betateach.co.uk. You can also look at the website, betateach.co.uk, to see what's going on over there. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope you enjoy future episodes.